So George Kent, a deputy assistant secretary of state, testified this week that he was worried that Hunter Biden's position at the firm Burisma would complicate efforts by U.S. diplomats to convey to Ukrainian officials the importance of avoiding conflicts of interest. I wonder why that was a problem. Uh, Sure, the vice president is head of Ukraine policy, and this is a giant Ukrainian gas company. What could possibly be the conflict of interest hiring his son, who had no experience in natural gas or Ukraine? I can't think of anything that could possibly go wrong there. Uh, This is something the Biden campaign is, of course, struggling with. The vice president said he didn't have the bandwidth to deal with the issue when it was brought up to him. Mild problem. And it's also in conflict with what Joe Biden is actually saying. This is Joe Biden from the debate talking about his dealings with Hunter Biden and Burisma. No, 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 I don't. And uh, because I never discussed with my son anything having to do with what was going on in Ukraine. That, that's, a, that's a fact. Never discussed it with him. Now, this is at odds, of course, with the, the, with the words of Hunter Biden, who said they did discuss it in passing once. Uh, did not say that they talked about it a lot. Did not say they went into a lot of detail. But basically what Joe Biden said was, hey, Hunter, I hope you know what you're doing on this thing. And Hunter was like, oh, I do. Now, that is a separate issue, right? It's not just the situation where Joe Biden does actually talk to Hunter Biden about Burisma when he said multiple times, not only there, but also in the debate, that he was, uh, that he never said anything to Hunter about this, which is such an impossible strain on any level of credibility. They were on a plane together to Ukraine. What the hell else do you talk about on that plane trip? There's nothing else to talk about when you go to Ukraine. Chernobyl? Maybe? I mean, maybe? I I can't think of... No one... Bizarrely, every single Democrat seems to find a reason to send their children to Ukraine, which is a place where every Ukrainian parent tries to get them out of. Half the country is littered with nuclear waste. The the other half looks like a sequel to Hostel. This is not a good place uh, to, to enjoy a vacation. Yet every single Democratic politician was like, hey, kids, there's a summer camp in Ukraine I'm thinking would be a good place for you to go live. The best place, the best thing about it, 50 grand a month or more. So for some reason, this is vacation paradise for every Democrat. It doesn't make any sense. There's no way, I mean, there's no way it's true. Can we get to that point? There's no way they didn't discuss this. He's the head of, he's, he's the front man for policy on Ukraine. His son has a job at a giant company in Ukraine. Hunter says they talked about it once. That can't possibly be true. They talked about it a thousand times. They talked about the political ramifications of it. They talked about what was actually happening. They probably talked about, you know what? This guy who's going after Burisma on not one um, investigation, but multiple investigations. Uh, that guy, uh, well, he happens to be a guy that we don't really trust that much anyway, so maybe I'll put lots and lots of pressure and make sure he's not going to be in power anymore. You're telling me that didn't come up? I just don't believe it. So far, there's no evidence of that conversation, but I'm just saying as a human being, I don't believe that dad and son went on a 9,000-hour plane trip to Ukraine and what they were doing there never came up. 
It's just impossible, is it not? Are we not human beings and know how human beings interact? We know that happened. Uh, but we don't have concrete evidence. We don't have the transcript of that conversation. But it seems very, very plausible that that occurred. And let's go on beyond that. Not only is he saying he didn't ask Hunter about it, uh, and Hunter is saying we talked about it once, and Joe Biden's question was, hey, you know, I hope you got this. I hope you know what you're doing. He is talking to a man who has had basically a, 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 a series of personal problems that would make Sean Penn embarrassed. This is a guy, Hunter Biden, who I'm sure tries really hard to avoid these things, but there are real people with real problems that have real difficulty dealing with life, and Hunter Biden is one of these people. He's had all sorts of drug problems. He's had drug-infused car accidents in rental cars. He left a rental car at Hertz with white powder on the dashboard. This is not a minor mistake. This is happening while he's at Burisma. And somehow, Burisma was like, you know who needs to come here? Do you know who needs to come here with, with, for $50,000 a month or more and be a board member of our company in a country he's never been to with a product he's never dealt with? That guy. The white powder on the dashboard guy. That's the guy. This is blatantly insane, and it shows Joe Biden's judgment that if this story is true, it might actually be worse. If Joe Biden's idea of judgment is to go to his son, who has been, I have a list of 28 individual personal failings that have gone on in Hunter Biden's life that we know of, including when he was buying crack under a bridge including when he took a cigarette laced with another drug from a random, I believe he called him North African person, in a parking lot. That person is the person Joe went to and said, I hope you know what you're doing. He doesn't know what he's doing. Is it not clear that this person does not know what they're doing? This person has tried to manage his life unsuccessfully at every single turn. The idea that you just turn over this random responsibility to not only protect your dad's political future, but also uh, to, 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 to avoid future allegations of corruption, and also just to be able to get up and tie your shoes every day. None of these things Hunter has been able to be trusted with in his life. And I don't say that as a making fun of him. It's just he... he you know what's hard for me? Running a mile. You know what's hard for Hunter? Waking up and not going into rehab. That's his life. That's how difficult it is. He went into rehab, I believe, eight times. Eight times. And dad's question is, I hope you know what you're doing. He doesn't know what he's doing. Maybe we get into this. I'm going to give you a little bit of detail here on Hunter Biden. <laughs> you need to hear the, uh, the events that lead up to him getting this job. Think about offering a job to this person. We'll get into that in 60 seconds. All right. Uh, welcome back. It's a steward for Glenn of the Glenn Beck program. I kid you not. 
he went to a Lady Gaga concert, and that's why he's not here. I'm not making that up. Usually I make things up when Glenn is out, and I, I lie to you, and I tell you all sorts of crazy reasons he's not here. This time it's true. He's at a Lady Gaga concert. Full stop. Just wanted you to know. Now, speaking of really irrational personal choices, let's go into Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden, this is the guy hired for $50,000 a month. This is the guy trusted in these, in these high-level uh, dealings, billions of dollars on the line in China. This is his history. When he was in college, he started using cocaine. Now, look, we were all in college and used cocaine, I'm sure. This is certainly a long time ago. By the way, I wasn't in college or used cocaine, so I, I'm, I'm perfectly clear from this one. He was in college and he used cocaine. It's one of those things I guess you can excuse, right? Like, in all seriousness, it's not something that I, I know a lot of people who, in, but we, you know, I can think of a couple that I do know who have done that. And it was a long time ago and it was college and everybody tries crazy things in college, apparently. Now, uh, he, got a, uh, he got a laced cigarette, crack. It was laced with crack in college. Now, look, that probably happens to a lot of people, too. You're going to have a regular cigarette. Ah, it's laced with a little crack. It happens. I think he actually tried to make crack into a cigarette was this one, actually. He got crack, didn't know what to do with it, decided to smoke it in a cigarette, and didn't really get high, I believe was his telling. 2001, he's plastered on a train. 2003, he finally realizes, I've had this problem, and I'm not going to drink for 30 days. Okay? And he does not drink for 30 days. Impressive. And then he drinks on day 31. And then he starts over again. He goes 30 days. Because that's his goal. Gets past his goal. And then on 31, uh, day 31, he does it again. And he says, he repeats this over and over and over again. He goes 30 days. I got to get through 30 days. He gets through 30 days. And then on day 31, he blows it. It's like me with a diet. September 2003, he goes into rehab for the first time. Later on, he goes into Alcoholics Anonymous. Then he has a pretty good stretch, about seven years, where he is uh, reportedly sober. And these are all his tellings here. I'm not, I'm not unearthing any, any uh, incidents. In 2010, he has a relapse, has three Bloody Marys. Between 2010 and 2011, he drinks heavily for several months. 2011 goes back to rehab, and that's rehab two. Or three, and it depends if you count AA. I guess that's also kind of rehab. 2013, he gets the shingles. I don't want to even think about the shingles. It really grosses me out. But the point is, he gets the shingles, he gets painkillers, and that sends him back into a, uh, a problem. In May 2013, he stops at a bar, and this is where he gets the laced cigarettes from the North African, which hasn't had that happen to him. Now, this is all before he started at Burisma. Okay, so, I mean, look, that, you can't even count that stuff. 2013... He has cocaine in his system, and it's found by the military. Now, that's a problem. I will say this. Uh, he says it's because he had a, that laced cigarette from the North African. So it's the North African's fault. We can all blame the North Africans on that test. Then he uh, goes to rehab again, this time in Tijuana, because who wouldn't go to Tijuana to get your rehab? But this is rehab uh, where they're using some illegal substance here in the United States. It's like some controversial probably not scientific rehab where he takes some weird herb in in tijuana uh it's like you know andy kaufman when he was trying to get his cancer cured that's that's basically what we have here then he leaves that rehab and goes where else would you go to rehab in arizona which is this is now what number four or five we're on 
as far as rehab goes. Around 2015, this is when he's coming home from a devastating funeral. He's going through couples therapy. By the way, he is now at Burisma earning all this money, $50,000 a month. So they hired him with all the stuff I've given you so far. Now he's there and this stuff is happening. He goes to couples therapy. They're talking about how terrible it is. If you drink one more time, you got to move out. He leaves couples therapy and goes and drinks a bottle of vodka. Then he has to move out. In 2015, one of his relapses is actually with the guy from Burisma. He's on his boat doing shots. His relapse is with the Burisma guy. They continue to employ him through this. 2016, he becomes a shut-in. He's very depressed with his, with the whole situation with his brother has gone on. His relationships are breaking up. And he becomes almost a shut-in. And he, he says himself, I only leave for vodka at this point. February 2016... He's back in rehab. What are we at? Six? Is that six now? Six rehab stints? In June 2016, he goes to Monte Carlo because what a great place for you to visit if you happen to be in rehab six times. Why not go to Monte Carlo? I believe this visit, too, was another conference related to Burisma. And he does what we all do when it's time to go potty. He had cocaine with a guy in the, ba- in the bathroom uh, who was a stranger. Because what better decision-making uh, capability can you have than to snort something off of, of a, bathroom, uh, a bathroom sink counter from a stranger? Why not put some white powder up your nose from some guy you just met in a bathroom? I mean, just forget the cocaine. I don't want to sniff that close to anything in a bathroom. It's a terrible idea in every way. So in fall 2016, he's on his way to rehab again, which I think would be number seven, something like that. And while he's there, he loses his wallet. Now, this, of course, has happened to everybody. Everyone lost their wallet. Well, he left his on the plane. That's tough, right? You've lost, if you left your wallet on the plane, what are you going to do? Luckily, he also happened to have a credit card in his pocket, which is what everyone does when they have a wallet, which is keep one credit card in your, in your pocket, but leave your wallet somewhere else. This is not something I've ever heard occur, but I've never smoked crack with a North African either. Now, he lost his wallet, but then still finds a way to buy crack, which, again, I'm not that familiar with the uh, financial uh, arrangements with your uh, everyday crack dealer. But I assume that's a little odd, but maybe he was taking cash advances with his credit card. I I don't know. With over the next week, he goes back and buys crack, as he says, a few more times. Then he gets in a fight at a bar. This is, by the way, all still getting $50,000 a month here from Burisma throughout this entire period. He goes and he uh, has a guy, some guy, I wish I had his name in front of me. It's like, it's like Sloppy Joe is his name or something. It's something like, I, I remember thinking it reminded me of like, uh like a rapper name like the notorious big or something it was like some guy i think he actually may have been a rapper a local rapper and he rescued him because he felt bad for hunter biden some local rapper and he gets him money to get a rental car hunter takes the rental car is of course on drugs while he's driving it and crashes it hertz says hey i guess you know we have a deal where we're supposed to pick people up Uh, when they have accidents, so they bring a new car out to him, which he promptly, I believe, crashes again, but certainly returns to Hertz with drugs left on the counter. 
uh, or, uh, the uh, the console. He's got white powder in the Hertz car, along with his his government identification still left in the car after he leaves. The reason he got in the second accident, uh, accident is because he believes he hallucinated an owl. I'm not making any of this up. Finally, he has, gets divorced, and he goes immediately after the divorce because there's press reports that he had problems with strip clubs. He says, I've never been to a strip club in, in many, many years. But what does he do when he sees the reports? He goes immediately to a strip club by his own admission. This does not include any of the personal life sort of stuff that went on with his relationship where he was married, then he got divorced, then he started dating the widow of his brother, and then he met a South African woman, and a week later married her like a couple of months ago from right now. That's this history we're talking about. This guy was trusted with these decisions by a man who wants to be president of the... It's Stu in for Glenn on the Glenn Beck program, at World of Stu on the Twitters. Um, Glenn's going to be back on Monday. We've been looking at some of the Democratic proposals. We obviously had the debate this week, and uh, there's a little bit of a competition going back and forth as to how uh, how much government is going to grow, how many of these new policies are going to uh, go into effect, and how much it's going to cost us. Kind of a famous thing going back with with Elizabeth Warren, who will not admit that she's raising taxes on middle-class uh, people, which is so weird and awkward and strange. She has this red line or something that she doesn't want to give a commercial to Republicans, and she's so bad at avoiding and being evasive and she just winds up repeating herself over and over again with that deer in headlights look that she gets. And this is the type of thing that Donald Trump is going to expose in a dramatic way in a debate if she actually becomes the nominee. But let's get we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Let's talk for a minute about Bernie Sanders and his proposals. And Brian Riedel is with us. He's a senior fellow at Manhattan Institute. And this is a guy who, Brian, you know, you're not some crazy person here. You're a person that, uh, you're not some partisan conservative. You're looking at these things and you're saying, what are the costs, to the, to the extent that even Vox has printed your analysis on many of these policies? Hi, Stu. Yeah, I, I, when I decided to add up the cost of everything Bernie Sanders was offering, which, by the way, is difficult because every time you finish, he proposes something new. <laughs> um, to the extent that it was possible, I relied on Bernie's own numbers. I relied on the Congressional Budget Office. I relied on the existing information. I wasn't, you know, trying to, to do some right-wing agenda, cook the numbers. I said, for, for all proposals, let's, let's first look for Bernie's data. And if Bernie's data is not available, let's look for the Congressional Budget Office. And only then, if there's no score, I will ballpark my own score for a proposal, but then I'll walk the reader through how I calculated it so that they could they could put in their own score if they want. And it's very detailed, your breakdown here. Uh, we're going to tweet out the article, make sure that everybody can read the full detail. But let's start from the, the bottom, and we'll build to the actual total cost here, because it is, it's almost to the point where you think it's a made-up number. We're almost there. Uh, here we go. Starting with um, public school teacher salaries. That's an easy, low-cost expense. How much is that going to cost us over the next decade? Sanders wants to spend $400 billion over 10 years ensuring that all public school teachers earn at least $60,000 a year from day one. Okay. All right. That's easy. I mean, $400 billion is almost nothing these days. Uh, how about um, more education spending? This is from K to 12. 
That is $800 billion, uh, just general <laughs> expansions across the board. Did he make any, 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 any specificity as to what he's spending this on? Uh, a lot of it would be Title I, low-income grants. A lot of it would be special education. Uh, a lot of it would be typical government uh, special interest handouts for teachers who, who implement policies the Bernie Sanders way. Mm, okay. Now, we know eventually we're going to get to Infrastructure Week. Uh, we know it's around the corner at any time. Bernie's got a nice big Infrastructure Week going on if he becomes president. How much does that cost us? $1 trillion. All right. Now we're at, uh, what, $2.2 trillion. This is nothing. Not a big deal at all. Okay, next up. It, it's nothing. It's only the cost of the Republican tax cuts that were supposed to end the world. Oh, yeah. I re- that's right. They d- and has the world ended yet? I have not been keeping track. No, no. But remember, remember when mm-hmm. $2.2 trillion was, was, was more money than, 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 than you could imagine two years ago? Yeah. Yeah, now, now it's meh. What's, that's nothing. Yeah, I have a theory that the, that the tax cuts and net neutrality that were both going to end the world canceled each other out, and that's why we're still alive. Yeah, uh, that's okay. just, just a theory, though. Okay, um, paid family leave uh, is another big one. Popular proposal. People really seem to like it. How much does that cost? $1.6 trillion. <laughs> so now that's, now we're at $3.8 trillion if I'm keeping this uh, scorecard correctly. Um, explain the Bernie Sanders housing proposal because it's pretty freaking ex- expansive. It's $2.5 trillion. <laughs> Um, it's pretty vague. Uh, Bert, the the two point five trillion dollars comes from Sanders himself, but it, it it's a way to basically guarantee low income housing for all. Uh, he doesn't really specify that much how he would do it, other than there would be huge grants to states to 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 build build more houses and and guarantee housing for all, paid for by you, the taxpayer. Mm. Now I I know Bernie's got a bunch of houses, but the two point five trillion isn't actually coming from Bernie himself. He's not paying. Out of his own pocket for this, of course. Oh, heavens no, okay. you're paying. <laughs> All right, I want to make sure, because I knew Bernie had some cash. I did not know he had $2.5 trillion. All right, so now we're at uh, $4.1, $5.1, uh, $6.3 trillion. Uh, what's, the, what's the total, what would the total budget be for, for uh, you know, the United States over this period? Do we know? Well, the baseline, well, over the next 10 years, the federal government is going to spend $60 trillion. Okay, so we've already total. spent an additional seven, so we're already up over 10%. Uh, yeah. Next up, we have the expansion of Social Security. Yes, Social Security is going bankrupt, and Sanders wants to put more money <laughs> so that it can go bankrupt faster. Um, <laughs> that's higher benefits, uh, higher benefits at the bottom. Let's redistribute even more money upward to wealthy seniors than the current system already does. And that costs how much? That is about one point eight trillion. Yeah, one point eight trillion. Unbelievable. Okay, so we're at one point eight trillion, and we haven't started getting into the big stuff yet. This is we are still at the bottom of this budget uh, for Bernie Sanders. Yeah, we're at about, we're at about eight trillion, which used to be an impossible amount of money, and now it's a rounding error. Amazing. Okay, so now Bernie wants to make sure that people have a living wage. This is a big problem for Bernie. He wants to make sure people are making fifteen dollars. What's that? Did we skip education, or did we skip our college education? Oh, okay. Sorry, college free. He wants free education. I did skip that one. Free college education. What's that cost us? Three trillion dollars <laughs> to uh, pay off everybody's student loan in America mm. and guarantee that every public college is free moving forward. Um, of course, the private colleges would not be free, and they would be completely hammered by this policy because 
everyone would just stampede to the free public colleges. So right. The, the private schools would, would be decimated. That's about $3 trillion. Three, so, so I, I just skipped $3 trillion. Please forgive me. But it was just, you know, I didn't see it sitting over there. There was a big pile. I didn't even realize what it was. So an extra $3 trillion over in the corner. We're now up to $11.1 trillion. Now, and I will say, too, uh, one minor thing about this free college thing that I, I don't hear uh, tossed around that often the value of college to an individual goes down when everyone's going, right? Like there's, you're not, you're no longer separating yourself for high level jobs. If every single person is going for free, then it comes back to a merit based system, which we were supposed to have anyway, but you've just wasted multiple trillions of dollars figuring it all out. Right. You go from standard K-12 to standard K-16 and, and academic standards are going to be lower in order because schools aren't going to want all these new people flunking out, especially with the, that'll cost them their government money. So, yeah, I mean, they're just going to lower standards, and we'll all have our standard K through 16, and you'll have to find different ways to signal to an employer that you know what you're doing. Hmm. All right, now we're going to get to the $15 an hour, full benefits, everybody out there. Uh, and I've heard that this may cause up to something like 50% of all people to be employed by the government, which would be... A, an interesting uh, proposal. How much does this cost, though? It has to be massive. This is one where I had to walk the reader through my own estimate because nobody has, has really costed it up. By my estimate, guaranteeing everybody who wants one a $15 an hour job plus full benefits would cost $30 trillion over the decade. <laughs> and that's probably an underestimate. Uh, that's a lot of money. How, why is it an underestimate? Because... The numbers that we used um, are based on a $56,000 per person cost that a, a liberal think tank came up with that was based on only paying $11.83 per hour. Bernie wants to pay 15 We also wow. assume that only half – you're not just going to get the unemployed joining this program. Right. You're going to get everybody who's currently making less than $15 an hour is going to want in. Yet I only assume half of the people – who would get a raise, actually quit their job and go into this. Wow. Nor do I account for a recession or anything else like that where you're going to get even higher enrollment. So, I mean, you, you could actually, it could be double the $30 trillion if everybody who would actually get a raise from this and would take advantage of the fact that you can't be fired. This is a new job that you can't be fired from, no matter how lazy you are, mm-hmm. and that you get 15 bucks an hour. <laughs> I mean, if everybody who would get a higher raise joined, it would actually be about $60 trillion. <laughs> so I'm going to put that on the side, an extra $30 trillion that may be in cost. Because everything, and I, I'm glad you brought that up, because it shows how detailed you are here. This is not you're trying to inflate these numbers. You're actually undercutting them by a lot. Um, and I will say the quality of work you're getting out of a person that you're paying $15 an hour for that cannot be fired no matter how bad they are at the job, it's not going to be a high quality of work. Well, and think of the effect on the economy in terms of productivity. We're going to have mm. people quit their private sector jobs to move into government make-work jobs mm. that were created just to keep them busy and that they can't be fired from. And we're going to put, by my estimate, uh, 45 million workers into these make-work community service jobs. Think of what that's going to do to the productivity in the economy. I mean, you're, you're, going, to have, you're going to have an immediate recession. All right. It's incredible. We're up to $41.2 trillion at least. Now we have the biggest challenge that we fight as a, as a planet, uh, global warming, climate change. Obviously, Bernie's got to dish a bunch of cash at that. How much is he going for? 
promised $16.3 trillion over 10 years <laughs> to, to save the planet. I think he's channeling uh, the Green New Deal in Congress. <laughs> I mean, and that's what he's admitting to. We all know that he's going to spend more than everything he's admitting to because every government official, Republican and Democrat, does that. Uh, so we're up to now uh, $57.5 trillion. How much is the entire budget projected to be for the next 10 years again, Brian? $60 trillion. Hmm. So we're basically now doubling the entire budget. Um, yep. And you may notice I have not mentioned one more thing, which is Medicare for all. Medicare for all. It's not Medicare for all who want it. It's not a public option. It's eliminating private insurance and giving uh, free health care to every single person, quote unquote, free health care uh, to every single person over a 10 year period. What's the cost of that? If you even ask Bernie Sanders, he now concedes up to 40 trillion dollars over 10 years. Forty trillion dollars over 10 years. Yes. So now we are at you want to give the, the big final number here. Uh, the Brian? total cost of the Sanders agenda, using mostly his own numbers, is $97.5 trillion over 10 years. We are about to, co- co- uh, to cross the $100 trillion barrier for just new proposals. Remember, this is in excess of the $60 trillion we're already planning on spending, which is always underestimated. We're going to take $60 trillion, add on another $97.5 trillion, Plus, I would argue your number uh, to the high side is going to be more accurate with the jobs, which yeah. would add another $30 trillion. We're at $125 trillion, $127 trillion. Brian, how long until we have to teach America what the word quadrillion means? Yeah, we're, you know, we're heading that direction. There's an old joke that you know, he, by, by the time we get to the Iowa caucuses, Bernie's going to be spending 100% of GDP at the rate he's going. <laughs> um, I mean, he, I'm sure he'll, pop, he'll top $100 trillion soon. Because every time I would finish this dumb article, Bernie would propose something new, and I would have to redo my numbers. <laughs> Brian Riedel from the Manhattan Institute. We were going to tweet this whole article out. You can see all the details. It is absolutely fascinating to go through this. Because wait till you – I mean, I wish we had more time with you because we – Going through the numbers, comparing it to other countries, he says he's a European socialist. He's far exceeding anything that's happening in Europe as far as spending goes. Uh, read all about this uh, in Brian Riedel's great article. He's at Brian underscore R-I-E-D-L on Twitter. Brian, thanks for coming on the program. Thanks a lot, Stu. You're listening to Glenn Beck. If you're just joining us, uh, you missed the breakdown of Bernie Sanders' policies. We'll tweet the uh, article from at World of Stew. But uh, the overall summary here, $97.5 trillion over the next decade, Bernie Sanders has already promised. That's on top. You've got to add on to that an extra $30 trillion from his job program that is almost definitely guaranteed. Then you've got to add on the $60 trillion we're already spending, plus another $30 trillion in non-federal sources bringing the spending for the next 10 years to $214 trillion. It's more than 70% of the entire GDP of this country. Now, in Europe, uh, uh, Finland is the highest spending at 57%. So we'd be way past any country in Europe, and the average is only 43%. So we're almost double Europe. We're also talking about a $113 trillion budget deficit at least it doesn't include some of the additional costs and Sanders tax proposals will give you less than 20% of that. That's including massive tax hikes. 
But I do have ways to, to, to bridge the gap, and there are ways to do it. Uh, the New Jersey Division of Taxation has helped us out with this one, and this is something you need to know this Halloween season. This is true. I'm not... They actually tweeted this. Pumpkins used for decoration are subject to sales tax. Pumpkin used for food is not. So if you go buy a pumpkin and you say, I'm going to eat this pumpkin, you get to skip the sales taxes. But if you say, I'm going to use this pumpkin as a jack-o'-lantern, then you are going to have to pay the sales tax. And I think the way to bridge the $97.5 trillion gap we have is make sure even the food pumpkins are taxed. If we just do that, that will raise $100 trillion by my Bernie Sanders estimates. And everything will be fine. I don't know if a lot of people will be buying pumpkins, uh, but everything will be fine, I promise. It's Stu, and for Glenn, at the program, who's at a, he's at a Lady Gaga concert. You're listening to Glenn Beck.